0: Welcome to Michigan in Focus. I'm Bruce Walker, Great Lakes Regional Editor for the Center Square. Jennifer and James Crumbly are the parents of Ethan Crumbly, the young man charged with four counts of homicide for a school shooting in Oxford last November. Thursday, March 23rd, a Michigan Court of Appeals concurred with the lower court's ruling that Jennifer and James should face a trial on four counts of involuntary manslaughter for their alleged role in the Oxford school shooting, in which four students were gunned down by their son. Ethan. Joining me today to discuss what this all means is the Center Square, Michigan correspondent, Scott McClellan. Give us a little background on the Oxford school shooting.
1: So on November 30th, 2021, 15-year-old Ethan Crumbly allegedly murdered four students with a 9mm handgun and injured seven other people at the Oxford school district. Many critics say that the school district and the parents could have prevented the shooting by noticing red flags, such as drawings of people shot and bleeding out. And uh, Crumbly's parents also gave him the handgun used for the shooting. Well, right, and I, I've I've read
0: the opinion that uh, the court of appeals has handed down, and some of the details are really disconcerting. What the court of appeals did uh, today on Thursday it was to uphold district court judge Julie A. Nicholson's ruling that uh, from last month that a jury could find probable cause the parents could reasonably foresee their son's violent actions against students and faculty on November 30th, 2021. So in their opinion, that was rendered, Judge Christopher Murray, Michael J. Reardon, and Christopher P. Yates concurred with Nicholson when she determined the parent's behavior and I quote, increased the foreseeable risk of a particular harm occurring through a second actor. So what happens here is the judges, you know, preface their conclusion by stating that the, and again, I quote, defendant's actions and inactions were inexorably intertwined with their son Ethan's actions, that is with the intervening cause. So the connection exists not simply because of the parent-child relationship, but also because of the facts showing that defendants were actively involved in Ethan's mental state remaining untreated, that they provided him with the weapon used to kill the victims and that they refused to remove him from the situation that led directly to the shootings.
1: So the court basically said that if not for the parents not getting a mental health and providing them a gun that this one happened. Is that correct, Bruce?
0: Well, yeah. And basically what they're saying, you're absolutely correct, Scott, is that what they're saying is that uh, the Crumleys were both grossly negligent. And uh, that's a direct quote, grossly negligent. Or in the case of purchasing a firearm for their emotionally disturbed son performed, quote, intentional acts and, quote, prior to the Oxford school shooting. So rather than seek help for their, their, their child who was obviously disturbed and then going out and not, not getting him treated in the first place, then going out and purchasing him a gun kind of puts them liable at least for a lawsuit. So the judges had wrote that we, we simply hold that with these unique facts and in this procedural posture and applicable standard of review, the case falls outside the general rule regarding intentional acts because Ethan's acts were reasonably foreseeable. And that is the ultimate test that must be applied. And that they also say that their decision is based solely on the record evidence. Uh, they're saying that this is not necessarily legal precedent because of the extenuating circumstances in Ethan Crumbly's case and in the parents' case. Elsewhere, they talk about, yes, you know, sometimes parents have unorthodox methods by which they raise their children. But this goes beyond the pale of what a lenient parent would provide for a child who has obviously and when I say obviously, it, it's it's fairly obvious that he was mentally disturbed by some of the uh, pictures that he was drawing, some of the actions that he was performing inside the family house, um, texting his mom that there was a ghost inside the house, throwing objects at him and uh, the parents waking up in the middle of the night with uh, Ethan in the middle of their bedroom. Just kind of standing there. So they say that the the decision is based solely on the record evidence and the actions and inactions taken by the defendants, despite the uniquely troubling facts of which they were fully aware. And this point is important, as although the judiciary typically recognizes that a decision's precedent is limited by the facts at issue, it is particularly true when the court expresses that limitation. Listeners can keep up with this story and more at thecentersquare.com for more stories by Scott McClellan. This is Bruce Walker, Great Lakes Regional Editor for The Center Square. Please subscribe and thank you for listening. Freedom and liberty are important to all of us. If you're looking for civil, intellectual conversations with those shaping the future of freedom, try the Future of Freedom podcast with me, Scott Bertram. We speak with leaders across the country in the greater conservative and libertarian movements. In-depth conversations about where the next intellectual battles will happen across the country. It's the Future of Freedom podcast. Find it at americastalking.com or wherever you get your podcasts.